Go with me, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians 13. We've been on a uh, subject for some weeks now. In fact, I, I think this is the tenth part on this. So if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you to uh, go online. Is the easiest, quickest way. Go online. And um, all of these messages are available. You can watch them, listen to them online, download them at no cost, no charge. And um, those, are, those that were with us, do you think it'd be worth the people's while to go get some of those and look at them? Because what we're talking about now is built on that. We're, we're building on that. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13 and 8, we call this uh, the love chapter because it talks about the characteristics and qualities of the love of God, but it's also the growing up chapter. That's what it talks about in the latter half of the chapter. He says, uh, charity, that's the word for love. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there be tongues, they'll cease. Whether there be knowledge, it'll vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect or complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man or an adult, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. If you notice, he he talked quite a bit in there about knowing. Knowing, knowing, I know in part. And he talks about partial knowing and complete knowing. Verse 13, now abides faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And so we've gone into some detail in looking at passages in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 10 and Romans 14 especially. How that the Spirit of God emphasized heeding our conscience. Our conscience. There hasn't been enough said in modern church times about the conscience. The Bible has a lot to say about it. And um, they wrote to him, the church at Corinth, and other churches did too, but they wrote to Paul and asked him questions about Is this right? Is this wrong? What to do about this? What to do about that? And he answers these questions. And sometimes the chapter, like chapter 8, will start out by saying, now concerning this, concerning what you asked about this. One of them was, is it okay to eat food that had been offered in sacrifice to false gods and idols? Because where they were, there was a temple on every corner just about it and uh, false gods and they're always having these sacrifices and, and, and events for these false gods and they would have meals during that to fellowship with the false god and, and then sometimes that food part of it would wind up in the marketplace and uh, it would be sold to the general public and um, so they're saying is it okay to eat that or is it not okay to eat that And he didn't give them a yes and no answer like that. He talked to them about their conscience. Their conscience. 
and not to override their conscience. And to some people, you know, they could eat it and it didn't bother them. And other people it did. And he went into great detail. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 10, Romans 14, talking about the conscience. And we defined what, what is a conscience. Well, it's from the same root word, conscious. Conscious of something means you're aware of something or you know. You know something. And actually the word means co-knowing. Or C-O. Co-conscious. Co-knowing. And like we said, you, you can't have a, a co-pilot with one pilot. <laughs> right? Or a co-author. Or a, you know, that kind of thing. What does that mean? Co indicates more than one. And so what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is inside you. And he bears witness with your spirit. And he causes us to know something. And we should pay close attention to this. We should heed this. It is our direction in daily life. Can you say amen? Have you ever heard somebody say, or maybe you said it yourself, when they made a mistake, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You what? Knew. How did you know? How did you know something about the future? You didn't know that with your head. That was a knowing inside your spirit, and one reason you had such a witness about it, and it was so definite, is somebody else inside you Agreed with that, confirming that, letting you know. And the big question is, why didn't you pay attention to that? And why didn't I? Well, we've all made mistakes in these areas, but let's smarten up. Right? Let's, uh, let's, uh, is that a word, smarten? Been hanging around. Dave, Dave makes up new words. Smarten up. I think that's a word. (laughs) pay attention hallelujah Hallelujah. to what you get on the inside pay attention to the witness pay attention to that knowing pay attention to your conscience somebody say amen Amen. now look in 1st Timothy 4 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, how did they get off? They started listening to the wrong things. Could it happen to you? Yeah. Me, anybody. All you got to do is start listening to the wrong thing. Listening to the wrong people. Listening to the wrong stuff. And at first, when you do it, you know what's going to happen? Your spirit on the inside is going to bother you. And check you and go, you don't need to be hearing that. That's not right. Scriptures will come up to you. You don't need to be listening to that. You don't need to be watching that. You don't need to be talking about that. But notice what happens. Verse 2 
speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience, what? Seared with a hot iron. If you ignore your conscience, you damage it over a period of time. Searing refers to like a hot branding iron that cauterizes it. Well, if you stuck a hot branding iron on your flesh, it's going to damage and destroy some of that tissue. And even when it heals up, it'll be thick, scar tissue, and it won't be sensitive like the other. And so he's talking about being dishonest, not heeding your conscience, and damaging your conscience. And you can ignore your conscience until it doesn't bother you anymore. And that doesn't happen overnight, but you, you keep doing it week after week, month after month, especially year after year. You get to where you can do all kind of stuff, and you've justified it in your mind, and it doesn't bother your heart, but you are far from God. You are backslid, you are afar off. And you don't want to be like that. But like we said, even if you do that, it's not the end. God can heal. I said God can heal that scarred, seared conscience, and he can make it tender and sensitive again if you just repent and begin to take heed and begin to obey and get, and get the heart right. It can, you can wind up more sensitive and closer to God than you ever were if you want it more than something else. So it has to do with honesty and heeding the conscience. Now, in John 7, we looked at this. Go ahead and turn there, please. John 7. We looked at this already, but I want to bring out another aspect of it. John 7 is uh, actually chapter 7 through chapter 8. is where they brought the woman that they said they had caught in the act of adultery. And they brought her and threw her down in front of Jesus. And said, Moses in the law said, stoner, such should be stoned. And it did. But they said, well, what do you say? Well, now, why did they do that? They must have thought he wasn't going to say just stoner. Right? See, they thought either way he goes, we got him. Right? If he says, sure, stoner. Then the people are going to go, oh, you know, he's heartless as these other guys. And if he says, uh, no, don't stone her, then they're going to say, see, you don't observe the word. You don't observe the law. You can't be right. And so the enemy will try to push you or I, any of us into a corner and try to coerce us into choosing between two wrong choices. You got to watch this. People say, well, I, I have to choose one. Said who? Well, I got to do this or I got to do that. What about option three? That nobody's talked about yet, right? What about option C or four or five? What you need in situations like that is don't move too fast and look to God and ask for his wisdom. Let him show you. And that's precisely what Jesus did this day. They came, they threw the poor woman down in front of everybody, and um, 
the scripture said they kept pushing him and asking him, all right, preacher, what do you do? Stoner or not? What about it? He sto- Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground. There's a lot of conjecture about what he wrote, but it didn't say what he wrote, so I'm not guessing. <laughs> but why did he do that? Sometimes you just need to put everything on pause. And I believe he's checking his heart. He's looking to the Father. And at one point he got it. Because the Bible tells us he's operating as a man. He stood up. He said, well, he that's without sin among you can be the first one to throw a rock. And he stooped back down. He started writing again. And uh, the scripture said, verse 9, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. Why that way? Well, you lived longer. You've made more mistakes. <laughs> Should have learned a couple of things. If they'd learned much, none of them would have been there doing this. But they were convicted by what? By what? Not by Jesus. I said not by Jesus. But by their own conscience. And then Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. He turns and looks at her and says, "Uh, where are your accusers? Has nobody condemned you? And she said, no man. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now he didn't tell her what she had done was okay. Can you see that? He just said, I'm not condemning you. And here's the thing. We can be compassionate without condoning. We can preach righteousness and holiness without judging. Oh, is everybody awake? This is so important. That's how Jesus did it. He didn't tell people everything they were doing was okay. He didn't call wrong right. He didn't say sin was no big deal. Sin is a huge deal. It's why he had to go to the cross. And it's not to be taken lightly. But he simply said, and if anybody would have had the right to condemn, it would have been the one who has never sinned. And he did not. He said, I don't condemn you either. But go and, and, and don't sin anymore. Don't continue to do this. This is sin and it's wrong. And uh, you talk about a happy woman. She thought she was about to die. She really did. She thought she's going to die right there. So she gets another opportunity. Hallelujah. Will the Lord give you another opportunity? Even if you've messed up a lot, will he give you another opportunity? But you want to sow mercy. And you want to listen to your conscience. You want to listen to your conscience. Now one thing I want to bring out, emphasize on this. Notice what he didn't do. What Jesus didn't do. He didn't try to be their conscience. 
He didn't try to replace their conscience. He didn't try to be their conscience. And this is a lesson to learn that many have not learned. I made mistakes along this line in the early days of our ministry. And I'm sure a lot of you have made mistakes along this line too. When you know something is right and you know it'll fix the situation and you care about people, you want them to get it. You want them to change it. But you can go too far. You can cross a line trying to show them, trying to talk them into it, trying to get them to do it. And uh, the Lord gave me this phrase some years ago, uh, and and you might want to write it down or, or at least let it register on you strong. Fear forces. Love leads. Faith follows. Say it out loud with me. Fear forces. What else? Love not drives. Not drives. The master of the Lord is the good shepherd. Not the good cowboy. Nothing against cowboys. But Cowboys drive the herd. Shepherds don't drive the flock. Shepherds lead the flock. Jesus went into this, you know. In fact, go to, go to John 7. We'll read some of that. But he talked quite a bit about him being the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And he talked about how it works, this interaction between the shepherd and the sheep. Tell me those three things I mentioned to you again that I said the Lord gave them to me. Fear forces. Love leads. And faith does what? I might add this. Faith follows if it chooses to. If it chooses to. And if you don't choose to, the Lord will not get around behind you and start driving you. He will not. He will not. That's a line he doesn't cross. And when I say he doesn't cross it, I mean he'll let you go to hell. If that's your choice. Even though he knows It's so unnecessary. The price has already been paid. How awful it is. What you'd be missing. If God was ever going to make anybody do anything. He would make people receive Jesus. And save them from a devil's hell. But he won't do that. Because that would be coercion. It would be force. And he is not a forcer. That's the devil. The devil is a manipulator. He is a coercer. He's going to force you if he can. And and what I'm saying is you don't want to be like the enemy. Right? You want to be like the master. You want to be like your father. And he will not try to make 
someone do anything. So when they brought this woman, they threw her down in front of Jesus. There's so much wrong with this picture. You can't commit adultery by yourself. Where's the man? Right? Where's the man? They said they caught her in the act. Where's the guy? Where's the man? She didn't commit adultery by herself. Probably one of their buddies. It's a setup. The whole thing is a setup. And like we saw here, the hypocrisy. That was the word the Lord gave the master is to say, he that's without sin among you. What have they done themselves? How many of them had committed adultery? A lot of times you'll find the people that are death on a subject. <laughs> always yelling about it. What do they say? The, the hen that makes the most noise, the one that laid the egg, you know? Uh, <laughs> and you'll find the people that are always talking about it, so adamant about it. It's because they have a problem with it. And you know, you need to remember this. Before you get worked up over somebody doing something, have you ever done anything like that? I say ever. Back when you were a kid. In your teenage years. Huh? Any of your experimentation? Huh? Wild night. Wild this. Wild that. See, people have a convenient selective memory. People say, yeah, but that was was before I got saved. Yeah, but you did it. You did do it. So don't act like you didn't in judging other people. You did it. I don't like to think about that. Well, I know. And thank God for the cleansing of the blood. But what so many times people have done, they judge others by their actions. They judge themselves By their good intentions. (laughs) And that's hypocrisy. And in this convenient selective memory. Forgetting that they actually did some of that. Yeah maybe it was back 20 years before they got saved. But you still did it. Now I'm not saying think about it all the time. But don't get on your high horse. And judge somebody else for doing something. That you did a similar thing. Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. That's music to your ears. Is that right? The one who could. The one who's holy and righteous. Never never committed a sin. He said, well, I'm not condemning you. But notice he didn't try to be their conscience. He left it between their conscience and God. He got the word from the Father. And he stood up and he said, He that's without sin among you, he that's never done anything like this, that's never committed any sin, you can be the first one to start the stoning of this woman according to the law of Moses. Then what did he do? Quit talking. Quit talking. Quit preaching. Man, we need to know. 
when to quit talking. <laughs> somebody, somebody pray with me. Say, Lord, reveal to me. Help me to see and know when to stop talking. When to stop pushing. When to quit. Amen. Now he wants you to get this right too. And so he will show you. That doesn't mean you'll listen. So if we're smart, we will listen. We'll, we'll take heed. And if we've been, you know, bent that way to do, to say too much, to push too hard. Then, and, and people justify it by saying, well, I just care. I just care so much. Well, if you care, you want results. And, and you need, we need to have some humility that we can't make things happen. There's a time to back off. And so when Jesus said that, he just stooped back down and basically is saying, okay, Lord, you got them. And they were convicted by what? By their own conscience. What he helped them to do, the Spirit of God on him, helped them to do was realize what was already happening inside them. And that's some of the greatest help we can be to each other. It's not that people need to listen to you. Or they need to listen to me. They need to listen to him. Right? And the way we can help people the most is if and when it's appropriate, help them see What's already been going on inside them. Right? Help them see what the Spirit of God's already been dealing with them, talking to them about. Because if you're born again, if you have the Holy Spirit, and you went to ask somebody what to do, He's already been telling you what to do before you went to ask Him. And one of the most valuable things we can do for each other is to help that one see what's already going on inside. Honesty is such a key. Being honest about what you see. Being honest about what you know. You see, you got, uh, you know, Galatians talks about this, and other places talk about this, that the flesh is warring against the spirit. And so that you cannot do the things that you would, Romans 7 talks about. There is this this clash, there is this struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Y'all got quiet. <laughs> yeah, there is. Why? Because your flesh did not get born again. Not yet. One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. Woo! Flesh is going to be changed. Not yet. Not yet. You still got the same kind of body and flesh that Joe Sinner, that's never been saved, has. And it will do anything you let it do. And it wants to do some stuff you shouldn't do. I don't have to ask you, I know. You got the same kind of flesh I do. And the spirit on the inside has been born again, is a new man. And the Holy Spirit's inside you. And so there is this pull. And, and who, who makes the call? Who makes the choice? You do. With your will. You decide, I'm going to yield to the flesh. 
Even though my heart's going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, you can still go ahead and do it. Or I'm going to tell the flesh no. And uh, it'll squeal, it'll cry, <laughs> it'll pout. <laughs> and you just need to let it, let it pout. In fact, you need to let it die. If it says, I think I'm going to die if I can't do this. You say, die then. Just die. <laughs> it's called crucifying. Right? <laughs> crucifying the flesh. And what happens is, is desires will get weaker. You starve them, they'll get weaker and weaker and weaker until they don't bother you as much. I wish I could tell you they'd never bother you again. But as long as you're down here and got this flesh. But they'll bother us more if we feed them more. Yield to them more. But the key is you never want to ignore your conscience. Because you start damaging it. It's abrasive. It has a searing type effect. And you don't want to get to the point where. It doesn't bother you anymore. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? In, uh, there's a lot more to be said about that. But for time's sake. Go with me. To. The book of Proverbs. Proverbs 29. And, but also before you do that. Go to Titus 3. And we'll just go from one place to the other. Titus 3. And Proverbs 29. This is something that I'm learning more the older I get and the longer I've walked with the Lord. You know, the scripture says, We which have believed do enter into rest. And to live by faith and to walk by faith is to live and walk in the peace of God and the rest of God. To be agitated, frustrated, annoyed, vexed, is to not be in faith. I said it's to not be in faith. Because we which have believed do enter into rest. And some of the biggest frustration comes in dealing with each other. Is that right? Man, I see knowing looks, and that's one of the best responses we've had all morning. It's like, well, you got that right, preacher. <laughs> but you need to remember, uh, you were saying that about them. They might have been saying that about you, too. Frustration, anxiety, this is the, this is the biggest issues. Um, this is what people cry the most about. This is what people are sad the most about. Depression. It's what happens or doesn't happen with, with other people. In Titus 3, he says this. He says, verse 10, A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Did you hear that last phrase? 
being, we might say, self-condemned. Now the word heretic, I don't know if that's the best word. If you look it up in some other places, it's, it's a person who causes division. Is what it is. Somebody who's causing trouble, who's causing problems, causing divisions, especially splitting churches and splitting families and that kind of thing. Warn them how many times? Read the scripture. After the what? First and second admonition or warning. Reject. That's King James. Actually, the word could be, uh, it, it basically means leave them alone. Leave them alone. Leave them to their self. Oh, wow. Wow. Let me read this to you from the Living Bible. The Living Bible. If anyone's causing divisions among you, he should be given a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with him. For such a person has a wrong sense of values. He is sinning and he knows it. The Weymouth translation says it like this. After a first and second admonition, have nothing further to do with anyone who will not be taught. The Mace New Testament says it like this. Said he knows in his own conscience that his tenets are false. The New English says, such a person is twisted and is conscious of it himself. Warn them how many times? Twice. Why not three more times? Why not warn them at least ten times? Because they already know. Can you see why? Why even a second time? Well, maybe they didn't understand what you were saying the first time, right? Really, the first time was unnecessary. It's just kindness and mercy. But the second time, in case we didn't communicate it correctly, in case we didn't understand each other, why? Because they already know. They already know. They already know that what they're doing is wrong. They already know it's not right. And if a person won't listen to their own heart and conscience, then they're not listening to God. And how many more times should you try to talk them into it? See, we we haven't practiced this, have we? Oh, y'all are quiet. I said, we haven't practiced this. Why? People just keep on you know, and, 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 and the folks that are on the other side of it, they don't appreciate it at all. To them, you are nagging them. You are annoying them. And the problem is, they can get you mixed up with God. What, what do you mean by that? He's trying to deal with them. And he does it the right way. And is not unnecessarily annoying. And only partially right about what you're saying and doing. Do you see what Jesus did? He said the simple phrase that the Father gave him. He that's without sin among you, let him be the first one to throw the rock. 
And then what did he do? Can you see that? And what brought about the change? Did you notice Jesus didn't jump on them? He didn't jump on them and go, you bunch of hypocrites. Where's the man? Where's your buddy? You're going to drag this poor woman. He didn't come down on them. He didn't preach to them. He, he, can you see this? Why? In most cases, it does no good anyway. If a person is not listening to their own conscience, it's doubtful they're going to listen to you. And if they already know it, you know, you telling them another 30 times, another 100 times, another 1,000 times is only going to annoy them. It's only going to exasperate the situation and make it worse and worse and worse. Proverbs 29 tells us the seriousness of this. We need to realize, just like with our own self, people know more than they're letting on. People play dumb (laughs) about what they know in their conscience and in, in their insides. And that's a serious, serious mistake. That, that goes back to searing the conscience. And then if you start arguing about it, that you don't know it, that you don't see it, that you don't understand it. Then on the other side of that, we're foolish if we get sucked into this strife. And into these endless looping cycles of trying to talk somebody into something, we're trying to be their conscience. Can you see this? We're trying to play their conscience. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not their conscience. Proverbs 29, like I said, tells us about the seriousness of this. 29.1. It says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. The complete English says it like this. If you keep being stubborn after many warnings, you'll suddenly discover you have gone too far. You've gone too far. The message says, for people who hate discipline and only get more stubborn, there'll come a day when life tumbles in and they break, but by then it'll be too late to help them. This is the thing that is sobering. We do not have unlimited opportunities in this life. We have a window of time, and it is very, very short. And there's a job that needs to be done. God has a plan, He's building His church the directive to preach the gospel all over the world and and everything that goes with that. Every believer is supposed to be active in part of this. And whether it's somebody that's backslid, that's too busy with their business, their kids, their hobbies, their this and that, uh, whether it's somebody that's just decided they don't believe in God anymore, again and again and again, 
These people know better. They know more on the inside than they're letting on, than they're acting like. And you look up and 10 years has gone by. You look up and 20 years has gone by. And what happens is even if you were called to do something, even if God put you in a place and gave you, you know, connections and opportunity and training, none of us have to do it. And what can happen, if we get off a little bit, God's so gracious. He'll help you. He'll send you instruction. He'll send you correction. But you don't have to listen. I said, you don't have to listen. I know uh, when I was first starting out in ministry, we were doing a lot in the healing ministry, Brother Hagin's ministry at uh, healing school. And uh, we studied a lot during those days other people that had been in the healing ministry, particularly in the early days, turn of the century, Dowie and and, uh, Azusa Street and and then... um, you know, John G. Lake and A. A. Allen and and Oral Roberts and, and all of these and William Branham and on and on and on. One thing that I noticed over and over again was that a number of these men and women who were so mightily used of God died young, died wrong. Died young and wrong. What do you mean wrong? Well, there's a right and a wrong way to die. There's a right and wrong time to die. You're not supposed to die, you know, young. I mean, being a martyr is one thing, but that's a whole other subject. But the Lord said, with long life, I'll satisfy you. So I began to get concerned about that because I thought, well, it's obvious from reading and studying and listening. We even had some old films and stuff of some of these campaigns that we watched and and studied, and, and I thought, well, it's obvious to see a, a, a lot of these men and women, they knew more about God than I do now. They had seen more, and I thought, how do I keep from getting off like they did? Because I'm sure they didn't plan to get off. How do I keep from getting off? I began to seek the Lord about that and pray more, pray extra about it and seek Him. And one day in the little speaker's room in the floor praying, He answered my heart about that. He brought up one of them in particular that I had brought up to him. And he brought to my remembrance that I'd learned from another channel that uh, he had gotten off teaching some error and his elder had come to him and talked to him about it and tried to talk to him and he wouldn't listen and he rejected him and just a few years after that he's dead at at a young age And he said, uh, the Lord brought to my remembrance, he said, pride makes you susceptible to deception. And your humility is your protection from deception. A big part of humility is honesty. And also humility is teachable, correctable. And as I lay there in the floor, He's answering my question. How can I? Because I I saw 
It's not because I'm smarter. It's not because I know more that I would be protected from this. These people, many of them brilliant, astoundingly used of God. How can I keep from, and the Lord quickened that to me. He said, son, I don't mean to hurt a voice, but inside me, in my heart, he said, son, if you get off, I will help you. (laughs) I will send people to help you if you need it. If you don't get it the first time or two, I'll increase the volume. (laughs) If you don't get it the third or fourth time, I'll send people by you. I'll have them preach on it. I'll give them words. That's not the issue. I'm faithful. What's the issue? Will you listen? Will you listen? Will you take heed? Will you, if you need to make a change, will you make the change? And see, that comes right back to my conscience. Can you see that? What I know. What I know. If I don't know it, the Lord knows what I don't know. And he's merciful. But when you know something, he knows what you know. And he expects us to walk in the light of what we know. And so, man, I I got it. I got it. I made a commitment in the floor there. I cast the care of it over on the Lord. I even stood up and I said, Keith's going to make it. <laughs> I'm Keith. That's me. <laughs> Keith is going to, what, what do you mean? And it's not because Keith is so smart or so amazing, has done everything perfect. It's because God loves Keith. Yeah. Oh, you need to put your name in there. God loves Keith. What what, what do you mean by that? That's why I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it all the way. I'm going to run my entire race. I'm going to finish my course with joy. How? How? Because if I make a mistake, he's going to help me. If I fall down, he's going to pick me up. If I fall down five times, he's going to pick me up five times. If I'm not getting it, he'll tell me again. Right? If I'm still not getting it, he'll have somebody else help me. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to be stubborn and hard-headed and unteachable because that's what causes you to be destroyed. He that being corrected many times and hardened his heart, stiffens his neck, what will happen? It doesn't happen immediately, but over a period of time, you keep doing that, you keep doing that, year after year, all at once, judgment will happen. You won't be protected. It's not that God was out to get you. You got out from under his protection. You made yourself vulnerable and exposed to the enemy, and he will take you out if he can. And it's dangerous in this world to be rebellious. And defiant against God. And ignore what we know in our hearts. No. I can make it. Because by the grace of God. I'm not going to be dumb. Right? I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be defiant. I'm not going to ignore what I know. On the inside. Say it out loud. I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be rebellious and defiant and disobedient. My humility 
is my protection from deception. By the grace of God, I'll be teachable, correctable. I'll listen. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to repent. I know I don't know it all. Thank you for helping me, Lord. Thank you. Just lift your hands. Thank you for helping me, Lord. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Thank you. Oh, somebody say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.